Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Thank you once again for joining us here on the flagship sports podcast on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your affable host. My name is Rod Morgan. We chat about sports that involve balls, and we do it much the way you probably do when you're sitting around having brews. That's why we call this show what we do. I need the people to talk sports with joining me is the executive producer of this podcast, the executive producer of the Morgan, you know, podcast, the executive producer of the, yeah, we know in the ring with Jimmy Rod and Chris podcast. This guy is busy and he still has time to come on here and give us his terrible football takes. It's Jimmy Jamrisco. Jimmy. Hello. You smell that rod. I smell two things. I smell my bad picks and NFL football right around the corner. Can't wait. We are ever so close. This will be the last time where Josh Williams will not be picking a live game for us. He is excited about that, I know. But before we get to our handicapper, Josh Williams, we have to go down to the NC, North Carolina. Raise up. Take your shirt off. Twist it around your hand. Spin it like a helicopter. It's Petey Pablo. No, it's not Petey Pablo. That'd be cool if it was Petey Pablo. But it is our guy, Chris King. Chris, hello. What is up, guys? And let me tell you, the listeners out there, if you guys aren't getting your grill type prep work in now you're going to be hurt and come football season get your skills up now get that grill out get it cleaned up start working your prep get ready it's football season this is knowledge from a man who has been through many a many a many a many a many a many a many do you see the theme here kickoff to the nfl season (laughs) our guy the old man chris king but if it's the nfl we got to make the man who makes us all smarter. He makes the picks. He dives into the stats. He gives you the numbers that actually may mean who wins or loses the game. It's the handicapper, Josh Williams. Josh, hello. What's up, boys? It's uh, AFC North time this week, so uh, let's get to it. Williams, I'm going to start here. I'd like to just throw questions at you that you had no idea I was going to ask you. Do you believe yeah. that this might be the toughest division to win? Not necessarily the division containing all great teams, but the toughest division to win. Yes, I do. I was thinking that about that earlier. I was like, no hyperbole. This might be the toughest division I've seen like in the last 20 years. Like, I think any team could win it. I think all four could be playoff bound. That probably won't happen because the AFC is so, I mean, it's just so loaded. But uh, this division is no joke. I think it's even better than the AFC West last year. What what we thought the AFC West was going to be last year, turned out that the Raiders and Broncos were terrible. But like even uh, Peter King thought that the AFC West was like the toughest division he's he had ever seen. And I think this AFC North is even better than the AFC West from last year. Well, like a good podcast host, I'm going to make you wait on all of those juicy numbers on the AFC North that Josh Williams has for you. We are going to check in on the only saga that we have ever had a reporter on the ground to cover. And when I say ground, I don't necessarily mean any Indianapolis Colts practice field or locker room, but I mean at least a hell of a lot closer to the general area that this story is happening than we at this podcast network have ever been. That's our guy, Jimmy Jamriska, who's been on the Jonathan Taylor story since day one. Jimmy, what's the update? Yeah, I'm sure Jonathan Taylor and I have driven on the same streets before, so I think that makes me qualified to do this. Uh, Yeah, so today was a big day 
for the Colts, they had the final two teams in the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes make their final offers, and the Colts said, uh-uh, not happening. Uh, the Colts decided not to trade him. They put him on the pup list, which is huge because that guarantees he will not play in the first four games. Uh, but that's not him holding out, though, remember. That's them putting him on the on the on the pup list. So he kind of gets a little reprieve for the first four games, maybe get that ankle worked on a little bit. Um, and then either come back and play or get traded closer to the deadline, which I think the latter is probably more uh, possible there. Ooh, so Jimmy, you're tipping your hand there a little bit. I'm going to go to the other Colts fan on this podcast real quick before we go to the actual handicapper for his thoughts. Chris, do you think Jonathan Taylor's going to suit up in the Colts blue and white again? No. I think it's wow. Yeah. You do, huh? Yeah, there's, there's no way. He's already shown how upset he is with our beloved owner right like we know that relationship's not getting any better anytime soon so why would he and he's got the colts by the cojones really because if they don't trade him they're not going to get any kind of value for him either so they're going to have to do something but he's not going to be dressed for him again i can almost guarantee that Williams, is this the Colts just kind of like cutting off their nose to spite their face if ultimately Taylor's not going to suit up for them and they're going to train him at the deadline? They're certainly not going to get at the deadline what they probably were just offered now, no? Or am I wrong on that? Yeah, I don't think they were ever going to get a first for him. I think they would be lucky to get like a second and a fifth. But I'm on the other side. I think he is going to play for the Indianapolis Colts because I just – I just continue to not believe where we're at here with Jonathan Taylor. Everything – he seems to be a pretty good dude, and I get I get both sides. I do, but like I just think that he's going to play for the Colts at some point this year. I I can't see it getting worse, but I could be. Wrong. I tend to I tend to agree with you, Mister Williams, and that's because we now have word that Josh Jacobs, right, who seemed like maybe he was going to continue his holdout. We have word that he is going to come and play for the Raiders. So I'd imagine Taylor takes the field again, Chris. I like you jumping out there and taking it and, and taking a stance, right, and getting your yeah. getting your cojones to borrow a term that you <laughs> used a little while ago out there in the wind with that take. I appreciate that, but uh, well, listen, I don't know. But I'm be, on the other side of you. There's going to be injuries to some guys in these first four weeks. That's going to make teams think a little bit harder. Maybe make a little bit better deal. The Colts know that they're up, their backs up are against the wall. Get something or get absolutely nothing. So that's. That's why I see it happening like that. Jimmy, last question on this. You're a reporter on the ground. Do you believe there's any chance the Colts get anything decent at all for Taylor if they do trade him? The only thing I can think of is if like an Eagles or I mean, basically like an Eagles, they're they're 4-0, but you know, their running backs get hurt in that fourth game and they're kind of they they want to go for the championship again. You know, they want to go to the Super Bowl, they want to get that championship. That's the only way I can think about it because the Eagles have picks that's going to be later in the draft. It's not a huge thing. That's the only thing I can think, though. I think you're on to something there, Jimmy. The NFL is often a game of attrition. Guys are going to go down. Teams that didn't think they were going to be contenders might be contending right around the trade deadline and all of a sudden think they need a running game. Teams that thought they were going to have a running game might not have a running game and are looking to make a move. So I think it's possible that the Colts get something decent. 
if something decent comes their way at the trade deadline, which the NFL has desperately tried to make more of a thing the last couple of years to try to gain some of what the NBA gets around theirs and what the MLB still gets around theirs, maybe you see the Colts make a move. But if they're going to only get like a third round pick, a fourth round pick, whatever, they're just going to tell JT to sit out and burn. And then it's going to be up to him to decide if he wants to lose a year of service time or not. So ultimately, this guy's going to play. And if the Colts can get like a second rounder out of a team that's desperate, he'll get moved on and play for somebody else. Speaking of the Eagles, let's talk about a team that might have a potential MVP on their team in Jalen Hurts. I think we should touch on our overall picks for the year. We've been focusing in on the divisions, giving you the good nuggets. We're still going to do that about the NFC North here before we ultimately wrap up. But we got to get down on paper with the long shot picks, right? The MVP, the offensive player, all of the above. Chris, we're going to start with you, and we're going to start with one of your favorite things. I know you're uh, a Mel Kuyper Jr. disciple for all of these years. You literally <laughs> were one of the first people that bought the draft guide from him back when Mel was printing it out at his house, I think, on actual with a, with an ink pen and on college-ruled paper, and he just passed it out to people that paid for it. That's when you were a Hoover salesman in the Baltimore area, so you're big on the rookies. Tell me what you, who's you got for offensive and defensive rookie of the year. So I, th- I think with – I really think it's down to two guys for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and it's two quarterbacks. It's Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. I'm going to go with my guy, my team's franchise quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He does enough to get Offensive Rookie of the Year. He can have a season like Justin's, Justin Fields did last year and get that Offensive Rookie of the Year. Richardson, I like it. Who you got for defense? Uh, defense, it's, that's always tough. You could, you go with a a few different guys. I'm going to go with, uh, Devin Witherspoon. I think he's the one that's going to break, make the biggest impact. That's who I'm going with. Nice. I almost feel like maybe you were just pulling names out of a hat there because you didn't have a whole lot to go with your guys, and I'm not making fun of you because I'm basically going to be doing the same thing. So good on you there, brother, for starting it that way. Let's go over to the man, Josh Williams, who may have a little bit of something for us on, uh, offensive and rookie and defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Offensive rookie of the year. I'm going boring. I'm going chalk with B John Robinson. I just think that the Falcons, they drafted another offensive lineman in a draft. Their offensive line is already top 10. They have a coach that wants to run the ball and they have the second easiest schedule in all football. This all lines up for Robinson to get a ton of carries and uh, not only a ton of carries, but a ton, ton of red zone carries. And I think he's going to have double-digit touchdowns this year. I think B. John Robinson wins the Offensive Rookie of the Year. The best odds you can find is is plus 300 on FanDuel if, uh, if you want to back Robinson there. Nice, Bijan, the running back. We uh, we say running backs don't mean anything, but Bijan still got drafted quite high. People are still excited to pay a bunch for him in fantasy drafts. Williams has him. Who do you got as your Defensive Rookie of the Year? So defensive rookie of the year, I'm going. I'm I'm taking a little bit, a little step out here. I'm going with somebody from Philly, but not who you expect. Uh, Jalen Carter's plus seven hundred. He was the first rounder who kind of fell to them at at number ten. I'm not going with him. I'm going with the guy who everyone thought was going to be a first rounder in Nolan Smith. He fell to them in the second round. And listen, like he's going to be free to just run all over the place and for the Eagles. And I think the Eagles are going to be in more competitive games this year. And so I think he's going to rack up more stats. Uh, like I said, Jalen Carter's going to, probably going to be more like NFL impact, but for stat wise, I like Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith, uh, the edge rusher out of Georgia 
plus 2200 on DK for defensive rookie of the year. Is this going to be the most famous Nolan since Nolan Ryan, Nolan Richardson? Am I missing another Nolan in there that might be more famous? Well, I think Nolan Ryan was way more for, famous than Nolan Richardson. Well, I mean, I, if you were from Arkansas and you liked Todd Day, you probably thought <laughs> Nolan Richardson was real cool. I mean, for, there's for Nolan, people that are – There are a couple, a couple of those Arkansas teams are real good. That's the only reason I know Nolan Richardson. 94, yeah. 94 national champions. Oh, I saw Williams' eyes light up. We all know Williams' love for college basketball in this podcast. His eyes lit up when I made that. Jimmy, I'll go ahead and go here and uh, and spare you. You can go last so you have even more people to possibly choose from. I'm going to go with something absolutely crazy, all right, because I love making crazy picks. Your offensive and defensive rookie of the year come from the same team, and they were both drafted within the top five. Give me C.J. Stroud and give me Will Anderson Jr. Whoa. winning offensive and defensive rookie of the year, both coming from the Houston Texans. D'Amico Ryans is going to coach them both up. The Texans are going to be much better than we think. They got a pretty good running game. Stroud is a guy played a bunch of football. Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling that Anthony Richardson does, but he's going to come in and be ready to play. D'Amico Ryans is going to coach him up. Will Anderson is going to say F you to all the people that said the Texans shouldn't have drafted me that high. Bam. Give me defensive and offensive rookie of the year from the same team. Jimmy, what do you think of that hotness? I, I think that is so hot. It's not even funny because do you know how good Will Anderson's going to have to play to get rookie of the year? He's going to have to excel so much. And the defense is going to be on the field all the time. He's going to be exhausted by the end of the second quarter, let alone the full game there. Uh, and CJ Stroud, I think you've got something there because I think his bar is so much lower than an Anthony Richardson's bar that even a little bit of, Hey, the Texans go five wins this year. He's going to get a plaque at least, if not a statue. The only thing, only thing I would say, Rod, is you're missing something. The NFL did that last year with the Jets. Wilson and Sauce Gardner, they both won Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year from the same team. I don't see the NFL allowing that to happen again. But well, otherwise, you know, I like your take. Uh, listen, I'm not into coastal elites, Chris, so I don't pay any attention to things that happen out of the New York teams, right, or L.A. I'm here in the flyover country in middle America, the Midwest, all right? I have values. I don't care what goes on in the big metropolitan cities. Jimmy, you 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 didn't give us your picks, I believe, for either Correct. of those categories. Well, my picks have already been named, so we can go through it relatively quickly here. But I do have Bijan Robinson, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think he's just going to be a workhorse, and he's going to be that staple in the backfield they need. He's just going to get all the stats needed. Uh, Williams did mention my Rookie of the Year for defense, but he went the other way. I was going between Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter as well. I think Jalen Carter is going to ha get in the backfield a little bit more. Those sack totals um, from the defensive line are going to be a little higher. They're deep there. He's not going to have to play as much as a Will Anderson will. So I do think I'm going to go with Jalen Carter as my defensive rookie of the year. All right, Jimmy, because we all got to chop up all the other awards before you, we're going to start with you now on your offensive player of the year. My non-rookie division, non-rookie yes. division. My offensive player of the year this year, um, typically the MVP is a quarterback, so I'm not going quarterback there. I'm going to go with my Super Bowl team, San Francisco 49ers own Christian McCaffrey, who will um, be healthy all year, and he is going to be the offensive player of the year. That's my, my point there. 
Wow, Christian McCaffrey healthy all year is the spiciest part of that. Take. I'm sorry, Let's Niners move. fans. It's over. I apologize in advance. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am going to move to my offensive player of the year, and I am going to go with somebody going back to back. Passing is so important in the NFL. Give me the guy who won it last year. I'll take Justin Jefferson in Minnesota as my offensive player of the year. I tell I you what, that's ahead, a, I was say, that's a pretty good, pretty good pick. Uh, that's a lot of faith in Kirk Cousins. I, I don't love have... me some Cousins. I'm not scared of Kirk Cousins, Chris. The new mustache <laughs> combo Fu Manchu thing, whatever you want to call it, man, it looks like the brawny man. I'm in. Let's go, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I am. There, there's going to be a little bit of theme that you see with some of my uh, some of our discussions tonight, but I'm going Jamar Chase. Jonathan? Okay. <laughs> Jamar Chase out of Cincinnati. I think he has a even better career than he than he's had already. It's going to be a career year. You're going to see him lead the league in receiving touchdowns as well as receptions. I think I get some offensive player of the year. All right, there we go. We might have uh, him come up a little bit when we discuss his division here on the other side. So let's not give away too much. Williams, I guess you're the last one. You're you're the smart one on this podcast, so you going last. That shouldn't hurt you. Oh, man, and Chris is going to love this. This guy led the NFC in yards after contact. I'm going Tony Pollard at 40-1 to one on FanDuel to an offensive player of the year. And here's a stat. You, you know McCarthy loves to run. You know Brian Schottenheimer loves to run. Here's an old man stat that Mike McCarthy is going to reference this year. Games where Pollard gets 15-plus touches, the Cowboys are 8-0, and they average 37 points per game. You don't think Mike McCarthy is going to give the ball to Tony Pollard? Zeke is no longer there. Who's going to score the touchdowns inside the five-yard line? It's going to be Tony Pollard. He's going to get double-digit touchdowns this year. I'm telling you, he's going to be a fantasy asset for anybody who picks him up on their team this year. He can do a lot more out of the backfield than what Zeke could because you can throw to him where you couldn't really throw to Zeke. He can't block like Zeke could, but he's going to be able to do more in open space, get the ball in more different ways. I love the pick. 40 to 1, I didn't realize those were the odds. You could make a killing if if that comes true. On yeah, FanDuel, yeah. FanDuel has the best odds there for, for Pollard, 40 to 1. Yep. All right, Chris, you love defense. You hyped your Cowboys defense last year. Do you have, I'm going to borrow the phrase again, cojones enough to pick the defensive player of the year from your Dallas Cowboys? Go. Yes, I do. Micah Parsons. Of course. I still think think he is the most game-changing defensive player that's playing right now. I know that you can make... You can you could make arguments for TJ Watt or Aaron Donald or or even Nick Bosa, but I think Mark Micah Parsons, as versatile as he is, the amount of positions he can play in that front seven makes him more valuable than any other defensive player in the league. Okay. I kind of thought you'd be going with Parsons. I like that. Williams, do you want to go or do you want to or do you want to wait? I mean, you, we all know that you're the expert here, but technically I guess you could go here. We don't have to spend much time w- with my pick because I'm going Micah Parsons also. Okay. Um, yeah, it's plus 500 on DK. 
I do have he, – he's he's one guy who gets his defensive coordinator back. Uh, remember, Bosa loses his defensive coordinator and Ryan's. Not that defensive coordinators make that huge of a difference for star players, but it's still something. And I think Micah Parsons has a chip on his shoulder uh, after not getting the defensive player of the year last year. I think in the first half he was a defensive player of the year, and then in the second half it was Bosa. Bosa ended up winning. I think Parsons has a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. So I do have – uh, another good stat later on AFC North for for a possible candidate too. So, oh but, uh, no, but, hold on, buddy, I'm hold taking, on. My I'm candidate's taking, coming out of the Parsons AFC North. Right yeah, my candidate's okay. coming out of the AFC North. You might you might be on the guy I'm on, Jimmy. I'll go last because I bet you don't have my guy. Uh, no, I don't. I actually have Bosa. I am a big 49er person this year. I might be the Williams of this year's podcast, but I think Bosa from the edge there again needs to stay healthy. And again, I apologize to all 49ers fans. Jimmy is just dropping dark clouds amongst fan bases out there in San Francisco right now. I am going with a little team in Cleveland. The mistake by the lake, baby. The Cleveland Browns, I believe, are a bit of a sleeping giant. This team has a lot of talent, and I do not believe their quarterback can be nearly as bad as he was on the field last year. I'm not talking about anything that that man does off the field ever again, but on the field, I don't believe Deshaun Watson can ever be that bad. I think the Browns are going to be up for a bit of a resurgence, and it's going to be led by Miles Garrett off the edge. That guy absolutely torched offenses last year, getting double teamed all the time. They got him a little bit of help on that Browns line. He is coming to his own prime years. He is a mountain of a man. Give me Miles Garrett, a big wild card for defensive player of the year. Williams, is that your guy or were you going somewhere else? No, I'm going somewhere else, but but Miles Garrett is a good pick. Well, I love it. I love that he placates me like that, Jimmy. Don't you just love that he does that to me? Because he knows it's like, fine. You're wrong, so but fragile. it's fine. Micah Parsons is better. You're fine. <laughs> All, All right, these guys so we have. Really good. Let's save the big boy for last. Let's go to comeback player of the year, and we can all do this quickly, right? Does anybody want to come on this podcast and say anybody other than DeMar Hamlin is winning comeback player of the year? Okay, and we I, move yeah, on. I don't think yeah. we can, I yeah. He died. Came the, back to life. Playing again. Yeah, done. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, done. Russell Wilson would be the closest, and he'd have to have, because, I mean, well, he pretty he much died. last year, too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <right. laughs> the best odds for that are uh, minus 275 on MGM for DeMar Hamlin. And actually Caesars has actually taken it off their whole, their whole, their whole awards list. So if you want to jump on that now, I know it sounds like you got to lay a lot of juice, but minus two seventy five. if he plays one snap, he's winning that. So uh, yeah. yeah, MGM is the place to go for there. All right, let's go to who we think is going to come out on top of the coach of the year voting. Unfortunate for this guy to get picked by Jimmy, which Jimmy has said all the time, but also unfortunate to this guy to win in real life. The coach of the year tends to be out of a job a few years later. It's not littered with dudes who continue coaching for multiple years at that same team after they win it. So, Chris, who do you got for that dreaded coach of the year trophy this year? This is this is fitting because there's real scenarios where this guy could be gone in a couple of years for whatever reason. But that's Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions. I am all in on the Lions. I know they're starting to be the sexy pick out there, but I was big on them last year. They still have a top five offense. They scored 30 or more points more than anybody else in the NFL last year. They, they were top five in touchdowns scored. They... Led the league in rookie sacks last year with 20 and a half sacks. 
um, they have. So a young defense is starting to come into their own. And I think that is a big, big Dan Campbell reason. And that's why he gets coached the year because they will end up winning that NFC North division. A big Dan Campbell reason. Are the rest of us just allowed to say our winner's name and then something after it for a reason why they're going to win? What kind of analysis (laughs) is that? Man alive. Jimmy, who do you got for coach of the year? I have a coach right now that is uh, plus 2,500. Um, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, and I think he will be fired within three years as well because he should have been fired this last year. I apologize to my California teams. Brandon Staley, coach of the year. Wow. Man, I thought I was ripping East Coast and West Coast elites. <laughs> Jimmy is just absolutely torching West Coast elites at this moment. My goodness. I love Go the fact Jimmy. that I'm picking them to do very well, but we all know what's going to happen. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, listen, I, I think the, the, the Chargers are going to have a very solid regular season and then make a run in the playoffs. And I think if they do that, Staley's going to be the coach of the year. All right, Jimmy Scott Staley. Williams, you have. Yeah, I'm kind of giving away something here because we haven't went over. This is the only division that we haven't gone over. We'll get to the AFC East next week, but uh, I'm going to go Mike McDaniel, 20-1. to You can find that on FanDuel or MGM. I know they made the playoffs last year with nine wins, but I think this team could take another jump, and it's mostly because they bring in Vic Fangio uh, as defensive coordinator. So if you have, ago, you just told us defensive coordinators don't matter. Yeah, well, except for him, he matters. He, he actually kind yeah, of for elite players. But uh, if you bring the scheme in, um, Fangio has has done a great job as a defensive coordinator. So I think uh, Miami has a ton of speed, and uh, I just think uh, I think they're going to take the next step this year. Um, Mike McDaniel, twenty to one. You can get that on Fanduel or MGM. I like that you went McDaniel because he was pretty good last year and didn't win it and is now winning it here. I'm going with a guy who certainly can't be said that it's only a second year coaching, but I believe it's going to be the second year of an uptick. And I think what we're going to see is a vote for another trope that everybody in America loves, whether you're a sports writer, whether you're a TV writer, a movie writer, you tell poems, you talk fables, you love the old guys still got it. Boom. Pete Carroll in Seattle wins coach of the year. Russell Wilson is gone two straight years. Pete Carroll has his team in the playoffs this year. He has them beating the sainted Kyle Shanahan, who also has sort of lowly sainted Mike McDaniel, folks. Don't let yourself be fooled by Williams' pick of Mike McDaniel right there. It's just more love at the Shanahan altar is basically all he's doing with the Mike McDaniel love there. Don't be fooled by that. I'm going with a guy who has absolutely no association to the Shanahan tree whatsoever. I'm going with Pete Carroll. The old guy still got it. I like that pick. That took some cojones, but I but I like that pick. Listen, I could come on here and say, you know, give me Dan Campbell for Dan Campbell reasons. I could come on here and say that. I could come on here and I could say Mike McDaniel because ultimately I just want to give more love to Kyle Shanahan. I could do that. Or I could be Jimmy who just wants to piss all over the Chargers for what reason? I don't know, but he still continues to want to do it. But no, I'm making a pick that I believe we all love narratives, especially for these awards. What's better than the old guy still got it? Give me Pete Carroll. 25 to uh, 1 on DK. That's a good if pick. they win the West, it's, uh, it's definitely live. See, I mean, somebody's got to bring charisma to this thing, guys. All right, this is the big boy. This is the pomp, the circumstance, drum roll, fireworks, all of the above. MVP. It's going to be a quarterback. It's going to be one of probably three quarterbacks. Which one is it going to be? Jimmy. 
Oh, let me tell you, I am going with someone who is plus 1,200 right now on DraftKings. I am going with the epitome of quarterbacks. If you mold a quarterback out of clay, you get Justin Herbert for the Chargers, and he will be your MVP this season. Awesome quarterback, terrific all around, and after this season, he will be a winner as well. So, Chris King, enjoy. I mean, Jimmy did pick the Raiders to win last year, right? I was going to use a Cardinals joke, but yeah, the Raiders is fine. It's either going to be, I'm going to destroy you, or you're going to bring up the Justin Herbert thing for the rest of our lives. It's a win either way. I'm fine with it. Jimme woke up, up this morning and chose violence for the West yeah. Coast. I absolutely love it. I absolutely he, love it. You should look out for earthquakes if you live out there right now, because that whole half of the state may just go. Hey, you know what? You know what? We didn't mention this earlier. I'm worried about DeMar Hamlin winning comeback player of the year now because I picked him. It could be somebody else. (laughs) Oh, Jimmy spelling doom for the West Coast. The East Coast was doomed the minute Chris King moved to North Carolina. Chris, who do you got for MVP? All right, there is a theme here. I'm going with a guy who I think is going to, to get this city and this franchise to the promised land after way too many times of failure. I'm going with... Joey Burr, Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. I think this is his year. You know I'm going Jamar Chase for Offensive Player of the Year. I think though that combination takes them past the Chiefs in from the AFC into the Super Bowl. I think this is their year. Joey Burr gets MVP and then possibly more. You just everybody's staying in their lane here. Everybody's absolutely staying in their lane here. So I guess Williams can't pick Kyle Shanahan for MVP. So I don't know who he's going to be able to pick here for MVP of the league. Me and Chris, are you giving us Brock Purdy? No, me and Chris agree again. I'm going Joe Burrow. It's uh, it's win now mode for the Bengals. And Burrow, Burrow, Chase, and T. Higgins are all getting paid under 24 million combined this year. Since he faces a top three schedule of, or they faced a top three schedule of opposing D's last year. This year, it's a middling schedule of opposing D's and an even worse schedule of opposing pass defenses. You can find Burrow at plus seven fifty on DK. I think this is the year he finally gets it. Plus seven fifty. That's cute. I'm going to give you somebody who's even higher than plus seven fifty, baby. I'm going to give you the NFL's version of Ronnie Sunshine Bass, Jacksonville Jaguars slinger Trevor Lawrence. Let's go. He's going to lead the league in touchdowns and yards in a Doug Peterson offense. Second year. He's got a deep wide receiver room and he's got a running back who can catch passes out of the backfield give me trevor lawrence ronnie sunshine bass mvp wasn't he just complaining about staying in our lanes and he's just going to go with a jacksonville guy i knew that was coming yeah shocking that rod uh, rod kind of dupes us there listen i think this is a this is a fun pick uh he would have the jaguars would have to have a very good year i mean we're talking 13, 14 wins uh, for him to be in consideration there. But if you look at all the other picks, we have Joe Burrow, who, how is he going to do this year? And, is he well, even starting Burrow. week one? Is he even starting week one? Do we know that? Has it been one. confirmed? Don't need him. Don't need him. Also, Plus you guys told me Colt McCoy was going to start for the Arizona Cardinals. I saw he just got cut. So nice work by oh, all of you gentlemen telling me Colt Cardinals McCoy was starting for the are Cardinals. Every, the Cardinals are cutting everyone. They don't want to win a game next year. They talked about trading James Conner to Dallas. I mean, anything can happen with that Cardinals team. 
All right, we can't get sidetracked on any of that. Listen, we got to try to blow through the AFC North in about 15 minutes here. Williams, we're going to start with you. Overall, the division, lay it out for us. Yeah, the best odds for three out of the four teams are you can find those on DK. If you want to back the Ravens, they're plus 235. If you want to back the Browns, they're plus 400. And if you want to back the Steelers, they're plus 500. If you want to go with Cincinnati, then you hop over to Caesars app and you can get them at plus 160 on there. That's the best number. The Tomlin Ra Ra spot, baby. Listen, man, the Tomlin Ra Ra spot is intriguing me. I think I gave away maybe where I'm leaning in this division when I went my defensive player, but you know I love me some Tomlin Ra Ra spot. Let's start with the Bengals. I mean, it sounds like they got the lowest odds possibly. You guys pick big things out of Joey Burr. Chris picks big things out of Jamar Chase. What do we think of the Bengals, Williams? Yeah, and I don't have any problem waiting on taking Burrow for the MVP because he has consistently uh, got off to slow starts because he's missed offseason work every year of his career. And Zach Taylor, midway through the year, finally stopped running it so much on first downs. He finally stopped running it on second and longs. They actually finished with the second highest pass rate over expectation last year by the end of the year, only behind the Andy Reid-led Kansas City Chiefs. And like I said earlier, they faced a top three schedule of opposing D's last year, and now they get a middling schedule of opposing D's. They did spend some money on the O-line. They were 30th last year in pass block win rate. They went out and got Orlando Brown uh, from KC at offensive tackle. He was a top 20 tackle last year. And the defense, our favorite defensive coordinator is back, baby, Lou Anarumo. This group that finished number one in opponent passer rating and opponent completion percentage. They did lose two safeties, though, in Von Bell and Jesse Bates. And Awuzier, another corner, tore his ACL 10 months ago, so we'll see if he can come back. But Mike Hilton's a great slot corner. Um, they still have Trey Hendrickson on the D-line. These players love playing for Anarumo. Uh, he's got the best second-half adjustments. Um, they did spend – they had the third most expensive D-line in the NFL, but they were only uh, 21st in pass rush win rate, so that's something they do have to improve on. But they, they face a below-average schedule of opposing offensive lines this year, so that D-line should be better. And uh, I think since he's going to give up some points this year, uh, losing those two safeties in, in the three preseason games, the opponent's first couple of drives, they all exposed the Bengals in the middle of the field. But uh, I, I love this offense. Uh, Burrow, Chase, Higgins, uh, Boyd, this offense is, is, is ready to go this year. Chris, we all know your love for the Bengals. You were riding the striped train a lot longer than the rest of us. What do you need to clean up about the Bengals that Williams missed? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to state a trend that I can't believe he didn't bring up. We know how Williams loves his trends, right? It is, it is something that the Bengals did last year. That is just almost impossible. They get to the Super Bowl the next year, they go 12, three and one against the spread. This is a team that has a trend of being undervalued by Vegas. So there's opportunities for our, our, our betters out there to, to use those that undervalued to get them some wins. All right, there we go. I think the Bengals are going to be probably just fine. Williams said it right there. They got three top flight players on pretty low contracts at this point. It's going to be tough for them moving forward. Here's the other thing I worry about. Explain to me, Jimmy, why I'm not supposed to be worried that Joey Burrow misses off-season workouts all the time, right? He's been nicked up before. He's nicked up again to start a season. The guy takes a lot of hits. Why should I not be worried about that, Jim? Well, because the Bengals have a track record of overcoming these things, so it should be fine, Rod. <laughs> See, Jimmy, I knew that's why I'd go to you. 
Joey B does though. Uh, he is resilient. He is tough. That's why you don't need to get those little nicks and, and scratches during during preseason games or during practices. It just let him go to the regular season and be good. But I would worry about the first couple weeks getting that rhythm back in. That's my only concern uh, with the Bengals there. All right, Williams, I'm going to go to you on this. Tell me who you think is going to be more of a worry in the NFC North. Is it the Ravens or is it the Steelers? Talk about one of those two right here. In the AFC North, uh, I mean, I think it could be any of those three teams. I'll go. I'll go with the Steelers here, though. I think they're going nice. to. I think they're going to surprise some people. They're the fourth most profitable team against the spread in the last decade, and Tomlin has never had a losing season in Pittsburgh. Only the Chiefs and Bills in the AFC have had more wins than the Steelers in the last three years. And Kenny Pickett improved in the second half of the season last year. The first nine weeks, he was 28th in EPA per play. The last nine weeks, he was QB9, uh, mainly because he stopped turning it over. He only had one pick in those final eight games. And this is notable. He was really good on third downs last year. That's impressive for a young quarterback. He, he faced a top five schedule of opposing Ds last year. That lightens up a bit in 23 with a middling schedule of opposing Ds. Uh, Steelers line, O-line last year, everyone thought – that was going to be a major weakness. They were top seven in pass block win rate. Uh, Deontay Johnson will have positive touchdown regression this year. He didn't score any touchdowns last year. And George Pickens is primed to take the next step. He's looked real good in training camp. And this stat is super surprising. Kenny Pickett led the league with a 76% catchable deep ball rate last year. It would be nice if uh, offensive coordinator Matt Canada would call a few more throws down the field in 2023. <laughs> but – the Steelers D is awesome. They allowed or TJ TJ Watt played about 400 less snaps last year due to injury. And check these splits out. While Watt was on the field for 10 games, the Steelers were second in schedule adjusted defensive efficiency in the 7 games and in the 7 games Watt missed, the Steelers were dead last in that same category. So they've got uh Cam Hayward still at nose tackle. Uh, they brought in some new linebackers, uh, better against uh, uh, running back uh, passes out of the backfield. Uh, so, yeah, the, the secondary still has Mika Fitzpatrick. He's elite. If he finished top five versus the run and versus the pass, if underrated corner and Levi Wallace. Uh, yeah, they, they face a below average schedule of opposing pass offenses. So my continuing best bet for the division this series, we mentioned earlier, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season at Pittsburgh. I think the defense is better. I think the offense is better. I'm going with the Steelers over eight and a half wins, minus 145 on DK as the best bet in this division. Williams, I'm hearing some sneaky talk that the best running back in Pittsburgh might not actually be Najee Harris. Do you have anything on that? Yeah, he's <laughs> he. that was my fantasy tidbit, man, was, was if Najee Harris goes down this year, Jalen Warren will be a league winner. He will he will win you your league if Najee Harris goes down. He's explosive. He's got all kinds of balance. He's he's super fast. He's super strong. The dude is awesome. He just needs touches. And like I said, if, if Najee goes down at all, uh, Jalen Warren is is the guy to have in fantasy. Chris, you used to be a resident of Pittsburgh. Does Pittsburgh have all the horses that Williams clearly says they do, or are so many of us just getting locked in on the Pittsburgh mystique and the Mike Tomlin mystique here? What's what's what? What do you think? 
there is a lot to believe in when you talk about the Pittsburgh defense and Mike Tomlin. That's about where I think the belief should stop. I We don't know what this offense is going to be yet. We hope and everyone thinks that they're going to be good, but they may not. We don't know if, if this quarterback is going to take a step back or a step forward yet. Preseason looks promising, but it's still preseason. But you can't like you can't count out Mike Tomlin, and you cannot count out T.J. Watt in that defense. If T.J. Watt stays healthy, that defense is going to be tough to beat. He almost single handedly beat the Bengals last year. I think that's a sneaky thing people forget that T.J. Watt was out for the majority of the year for Pittsburgh last year. Jimmy, we've got the Steelers, we've got the Bengals, and we've got the Ravens, who we've yet talked about. Three pretty good teams, and I sneaky think the Browns are good. Who else should we talk about here? Well, I think we need to go back to, to your Browns here because I really have them fighting the Bengals for that number one seed uh, in the nice. North here. I think that Deshaun Watson is going to, even if he's a B quarterback, I think this team on defense is good enough. Obviously, the running game is good enough as well. Uh, I really believe that the the Browns are going to make the playoffs this year uh, and fight Cincinnati. I think I think they're going to be number two. I, I don't think they're going to beat the Bengals, but I do think the, the Browns are going to be number two. And Listen, some teams got to finish fourth in this division. It's kind of how it works. Yeah, that's tough, man. That the team that finishes fourth in this division is tough. Williams, I believe you've never said anything incredibly high about Kevin Stefanski. I don't think you've trashed him either, but tell me this. This man has put together pretty good Brown seasons with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback and Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. So if we get anything resembling close to what Deshaun Watson was his last couple of years in Houston, I mean, that's a heck of a team, no? Yeah, no, and Stefanski was awesome his first year, second year not so much, but I've got some Stefanski stats here that are uh, in favor of him. From 2008 to 2019, the Browns never had an offense above league average and schedule-adjusted efficiency. Over that time period, their average schedule-adjusted efficiency rank was 25th. Stefanski, for his first three years in Cleveland, has finished 9th, 14th, and 8th in that same category. And like you said, he's done that with Baker, Case Keenum, Nick Mullins, Jacoby Brissett, and extremely rusty Deshaun Watson. And Watson from 17 to 21 was fourth in completion percentage over expectation out of 51 quarterbacks that had 500 throws or more. Stefanski asked him in the offseason, uh, you know, like what plays did he does he like, what he's comfortable with. So I expect more shotgun, more pistol. I don't think they'll be 28th in pass rate over expectation this year. And their starting old line only played 28% of the snaps together last year. So you have to think that number increases this year. And if you're wondering if Chubb uh, is affected by shotgun or pistol, he's not, he's awesome. He was first in rushing yards over expectation from shotgun and pistol. So no worries there. And they did bring in Elijah Moore, uh, who's a big get from uh, for the Browns. And uh, he was extremely affected his last six games of 21 when he had competent QB play. The thing that's difficult with Cleveland, man, this is so tough for me. I'm torn as a natural contrarian. I want to be on the team that the public is fading uh, and, and that the sharps like, which is Cleveland. And before the season, the sharp betters were on the Browns over this year, but now they still might be on the over, but there is a lingering concern out there that Watson again was just terrible in the preseason. And what if he doesn't revert back to the QB? He was in his first three seasons. I mean, he, he has looked really, really bad. And so that that's causing me hesitation here on backing Cleveland. 
Yep, that's definitely a cause for concern out of me too. I just have to continue to believe that he's going to be good. Just like I said, the same thing out of Russ, and Russ hasn't really sparkled it in his preseason snaps either. So let's just hope that that's the preseason. But Chris, one team we know in this division that has a good quarterback, or at least you sing his praises all the time, and I suppose he's pretty good too. I'm not trying to take shots here, but uh, we haven't talked about the Ravens yet, Chris. What do you think we should know about them before we get Williams' take? The Ravens are at a crossroads, all right? They have Lamar Jackson, former MVP. He's really got to play better than he ever has this year, I think, if, if the Ravens want to compete for for this division. I think they they could, but if they don't succeed, Lamar Jackson still has to play so well that they don't blame him for it because he got the contract. He got the money. They got him a receiver. They... It's up to him. If he does well and has an MVP caliber season, you can see them win this division. But if not, they're going to end up possibly third. Another good coach in Baltimore and John Harbaugh. I want to shout him out. Williams, I imagine here that you think the improvement to the Baltimore passing game doesn't have as much to do with OBJ, who's a big name everybody knows, but probably more the offensive coordinator, whose name is Todd Munkin, right? Yeah, yeah. They bring in offensive coordinator Tom Munkin from Georgia. He's one of the best at catering week to week with his game plans, and he wants to open it up for Lamar like Lamar had uh, in Louisville, his offense. and The Ravens faced a loaded box on first downs at a 70% clip last year. That was 9% above league, league average. Baltimore was 23rd in pass rate above expectation last year. That number is going to go way up this year. And these are the best weapons that Lamar has ever had. You mentioned they added OBJ. Uh, they they drafted Zay Flowers, who's a, a like a diminutive uh, little receiver from Boston College, but he's great after the catch. He's been tearing up uh, training camps all season. Uh, and they still have Mark Andrews. And they brought in depth uh, at the receiver position, Nelson Aguilar and Devin DuVernay. Uh, and they still have a top 10 offensive line. So uh, – if they get if they get some healthy running backs, Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they've both been super efficient when they've been healthy, but they haven't been healthy for for very much uh, of their careers. So uh, they go from playing against a top five defensive schedule last year to a middling schedule of opposing defenses, uh, not to mention a bottom ten explosive schedule of opposing defenses. So you could see more big chunk plays from the Ravens this year, and the red zone offense was third worst last year. Uh, if you guys were wondering, yes, I have a split on opposing red zone defenses that they face this year. They projected yes. to be bottom 10. <laughs> so here, here again, we could see this Ravens team score more uh, touchdowns this year. My question is kind of similar to the Jaguars. I think this offense is going to be good. I have questions. I have major questions about the defensive secondary of the Ravens. I wonder about the Ravens running game a little bit. That gives me a little cause for pause there. Exactly. You said it two guys that are pretty efficient and can do some things around the field, but will they actually be on the field? I still believe a running game can mean a lot for you in this NFL. I also believe what Williams said that maybe Deshaun Watson might be a tad bit cooked. I can't believe that the guy can't be as bad as he was. He can't just fall off the earth at that young of an age, but maybe but I still think that running game will prop them up. What I'm saying here is I'm going with the Browns. Shout out to our guy, Mark Allen, the Cleveland Crippler, who you can hear over on the Yeah, We Know podcast every once in a while. He works security for the Brownies. I think it's going to be a fun year for him. I've got Cleveland. Jimmy Jam, who do you got? I have Cincinnati. Bengals, Jimmy, look at you. Sorry, Bengals fans. 
No, I think Chris is also picking them. So I think that cancels out your 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 weird effect. Chris, who do you got? I got the Bengals, and I'm mad Jimmy took them. Why can't he take the Steelers? <laughs> Williams. All right, bud. I got I got Browns. Bengals, two others. Where are you going? So I'm going Bengals. I had the Browns finishing second until I like really dove deep into this breakdown. And I had the Steelers finishing last. I, I'm switching those now. I have the Steelers finishing second. I have the Browns finishing last. And just because they're finishing last, they could still end up with a winning record, 9-8. and eight. Check this stat out. Last time Cleveland finished ahead of the Steelers, 1989? What? That can't be right. I was nine years old, baby. I was having a grand old time playing Super Mario Brother on NES running around playing flag football in the front yard. Come on, let's go. Those were the good old days. Forget this stuff going on 2023 now. Let's go. Bernie Kosar was quarterback. I, I remember those Brown teams. Yes, yes, we all know you do, old man. We all know you do. All right, we ran a little bit long on this one, but lots of good information for you here. We covered the Jonathan Taylor situation. We got down on paper with all of our picks. We went over the AFC North. Next week, Williams is going to start the year out for us with his Three picks, Jimmy and Chris and I will all have some sort of gimmick that we'll give to you. We don't know what it is yet. We'll all surprise each other with it next week, but we're all going to have something, some little tent pole that you can hang on to for all 16 weeks of the year. Make sure you tune in there. And oh yeah, if you happen to be a sports entertainment fan, aka wrestling, we got something else in this feed you may be interested in. Jimmy, tell them about it. We have the Yeah We Know podcast, big pay-per-view coming up uh, this weekend. Payback, we have a ton of news uh, and of course, we have some uh, some bad news to talk about too, with a couple of deaths with uh, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. A uh, lot of things going on in the world of professional wrestling. Plus, eighty one thousand people paid to see a wrestling event, the most ever in the history of the world, and it was not. Which unfortunately WWE means event. it will not be covered on the Yeah We Know podcast. What a bummer for all of those folks that paid to see that wrestling event. That's too bad for them that they're not going to get any coverage on the Yeah We Know podcast. Really ashamed, isn't it, Chris? We also have a very Special pop it's culture episode off. coming up for the people on the Morgan. You know that you participated in. Why don't you tell them about that real quick before we go? Yeah, we are we are drafting the best comedies of the past twenty years, and there were some questionable picks out there. There were some picks that maybe shouldn't have been comedy picks, but it is a great podcast. You guys will learn that that my picks were the best out of everyone's. Uh, there's some other people that had some questionable ideas and didn't know what they were going to do, but it's a great podcast. There are some great comedies that we talk about, and you guys need to listen up. Chris, you're so full of it, and everybody listening right now knows it. Jimmy's speechless right now. Because he wants you to end the podcast. He's mad we're running long. Goodbye, Internet. <laughs>